Hi, Crick Lectures. Welcome back to another episode. This is your co-host, Jay. I'm joined by Rufan. What's up, Rufan? How are you? Hey, Jay. What's going on? Hi, everyone. I'm good, man. Same old. Nothing changed much since last week. Still dealing with the bipolar Texas weather and <laughs> work and holidays are coming in. Yeah, it got so. super cold out here, man, in New York. It's just really cold right now. The, you know, the scarves and hat weather is out. So we're, we're freezing Ooh. over here. Yep. What's on the agenda? Agenda today is uh, the third T20, Pakistan versus West Indies. Then we'll talk about our new CEO, Faisal Hasnan. And then we'll talk about the accomplishment of Frizwan and Babur in the year 2021 and take it from there. Yeah, real nice. All right, exciting. That T20 game, man, that third T20 was really like a legit T20. That's the kind of T20 you want to watch, right? It had all the action. What did you think of it? This is what we were waiting on. You were initially concerned about the slow run rate and uh, <laughs> finishing matches, last overs, and then you made peace with that. Then I was concerned for a while. So there you go. When, shut me up, man. When arose, we uh, delivered. Yeah. Uh, so 207 runs, and they demolished <laughs> our bowlers. But Pakistan came through 208 and seven balls spared. Yeah. Can we give a shout out to West Indies, man? I mean, they lost their key players, three of them, I think. And, you know, they had to find these last minute replacements real quick. I'm sure they had some reserves that they plugged in and they were able to still play the game. I know the talk in the camp was about leaving Pakistan amid all of these cases. They wanted to be home for the holidays. They don't want to get stuck quarantining anywhere here or in the West Indies and then miss the holiday. But, you know, they put their best positive foot forward and uh, they gave us a really good game. And, and not only that, not only did they stay in play, they played a really powerful, strong, entertaining cricket game. And, you know, I just loved the fact that they scored the way they did. They scored so much. Top quality bowling. We still had really, you know, good bowling, uh, a good bowling outfit for them. It wasn't easy for them. It was a batting track, but they rocked it, man. So shout out to West Indies. And they also made sure they're there to replace the Gales and the Pollards. And they were played some worry-free cricket and ended the series on a high note. Congratulations to them. Great. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And what are some uh, uh, highlight moments for you from the game? Is there anything that stuck out to you? Babur and Rizwan, once again, 100-run partnership. Uh, Babur scored 79, Rizwan 87. And then the all-around batting order, we did well. Bowling, I don't know. Uh, I know Dhani had a good economy rate, and it's not their fault. I mean, again, it was the last T20. West Indies wanted to end the series on a high note, so we won't blame them. Batting, definitely, again, Babur and Rizwan. And finally, we have a good opening partnership. And partners, last we had a likes of Bob Renders Vaughn, what was what, 20, 20 plus years ago? Amir mm-hmm. Suhail and Saeed Anwar. I don't yeah. know if you can think of any other openers that we had were as uh, explosive as Bob Renders Vaughn. And as consistent, definitely not. I feel the highlight was the batting partnership between Rizwan and, and Bobber, and they've done it again. So kudos to them. And they also scored pretty quickly, which I really liked too. And I, my concern had always been about their uh, collective strike rate. I knew Rizwan always pulled their, pulled his weight or turned his scoring rate around. But I just think, again, that clinical new clinical tag that we are putting on Pakistan lately really fits here too. They are, they're kind of playing the game that's needed to be played. And once again, you know, they know how to win. They came in with a plan. They scored at a particular rate. They knew when to kick it up. They picked it up when needed. Then uh, Asif Ali came again. He he played like a tiny little knock, but it was kind of reminiscent of not Pakistan India game, um, Afghanistan. Yes, it was reminiscent of that when Asif came and played. 
um, hitting really big hits with sixes. And this all along a fun, fun game, man. Uh, 400 plus runs scored total in the T20. So that's awesome. That's what people want to see. And so for me, that was great. I did love the excitement that Donnie brought in. Uh, He's just a really animated bowler. I haven't seen him a lot, but every time I do, it's just really fun to watch. Very joyful, very energetic. We need that kind of energy in the game. It really, you know, boosts interests. And it just, the enthusiasm is kind of contagious. I feel like it just goes everywhere and everyone, everyone kind of like picks it up a little bit. So he was good. And then I believe uh, Muhammad Asim, you know, the bowling of Muhammad Asim has been interesting. I really like him and, and the way he's coming up and he's showing a lot of confidence and most of the time throwing the ball in the right areas. And, and the pace is decent. It's good. And I just want to see what in store for him in the future. So you know, these are some players that I was really looking out for and I really enjoyed watching. This is how we end the year on a high note, another yeah. series win. Yeah, on a very high note, I would say, man, um, another whitewash at that, right? So clean sweeps through and through, back to back. I mean, you can't really take anything away from Pakistan, um, both in Bangladesh and in the West Indies. And it's a great way to end the year on a very high note, all wins back to back. And I uh, hope this continues when we come back. Uh, you know, the form, the form is on right now. And um, after this little break and the rest, there's really not that long a rest, uh, but it is a few weeks before PSL. The same guys are going to start playing the PSL. Uh, January 27th, I believe, is when, when the first game is. And we'll see if they can keep this going in this new team dynamics that are going to happen in the PSL. And then, you know, carry that on somehow and bring it back in together for the camp that they're going to have in preparation for Australia. Really looking forward to that, man. I'm really excited about Australia. Those games can't come quickly enough for me. Yep. And then New Zealand added two series in Pakistan next year. That's going to be later on, though. But Australia, yeah, definitely. I'm excited about that, too. And in Pakistan after a long time. So it should be interesting. Yeah, those New Zealand series are, I don't know how to take that, um, that news. I know a lot of people are excited. They're showing excitement online about, oh, look, how many games we've secured from New Zealand and, and whatnot. That's cool. Um, I would like to just see it happen. You know what I mean? It's It's hard to now take New Zealand for their word. You know, all these games get calendared out. They were calendared out the last time they came and then left. So hopefully, you know, I don't want to get too overexcited and then be disappointed, but let's just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Wait for it. All right, moving on. What are your thoughts about the new CEO, Faisal Hasnan? Do you think he's going to be as effective as Wasim Khan and be involved in all types of commercial and financial dealing? And what do we know about him? I think he's going to be an interesting addition and he's going to be different from... Wasim Khan. I think Wasim Khan's priorities and vision was a little bit different and a little bit more kind of um, out of the box in a sense. And more vast, for sure. This guy's experience, right, is definitely in a different way, vast. And, you know, he's more of a traditional uh, CEO, CFO experience. So, you know, he's not going to be someone who's going to take a lot of risks. I that That is my assessment of him. Uh, he's going to do things that are surefire, that are going to produce positive results and big results. I think that's what that's the reason why they brought him in is because of his finance experience. Um, he's uh, he's done a lot of work as a chief financial officer for the ICC twice. He secured a lot of deals and things for the ICC. 
And, um, you know, he's bringing all that. And he's also kind of helped Zimbabwe cricket survive for a full year when it was at its you know lowest. He resigned from that Zimbabwe role. But while he was there, he really tried to, you know, bring the team up and really change a lot of things around for them because financially they were struggling a lot. And he really made the difference there, uh, saved that uh, cricket board from uh, destroying itself, secured a lot of funding from the ICC for Zimbabwe, et cetera. So he's got that. And I think that's the reason why he's brought in. He's brought in to sort out the money issues. We're taking losses after losses after losses, teams pulling out stadiums not filling up that's a whole another topic for another episode as to why the stadiums are not filling up um we're not making money and yeah. this cricket cannot go on like this especially for for pakistan they've spent a lot of money invested a lot of money into into cricket lately and as you know all the security measures that they take that's also costly it costs a lot of money to provide security of that level to every single cricket team that comes so we're spending our bills are quite high right now and we need somebody like him who has 35 plus years of experience in the finance world in sports administration and accounting and we need somebody like him to come in sort it out secure some big deals for us they might not be the kind of deals that wasim khan was kind of making with you know the PCB swag shop or whatever, like it might not be though those kinds of things. It's going to yeah. be real big money stuff behind the scenes, big contract with different kinds of businesses and other cricket boards. And that is what he shared in the statement. Also, they're, they're going to be looking to make these partnerships all around the world with big brands, as well as other cricket boards to get the game and an exposure at a, at a different level. So that's my take on it. I feel it's a good move. I feel it's going to produce good results. I agree. Money is, has been the issue for the last 30, 40 years with Pakistan cricket. And I think Wasim Khan, although he was more all-round and concerned about the state of cricket in Pakistan and not just finances, this guy has a 35-year experience in financial and commercial dealings. And he also brokered the sale of ICC commercial rights. So this guy has worked on some big projects. So as long as we have somebody to work with him who is concerned about the stadiums, the cricket in school, first class cricket, PSL, I'm okay with that. I think money is the number one priority. And uh, Ramiz Raja selected him. There's got to be a reason. He's been making some good decisions in favor of PCB. Hopefully it all works out for Pakistan in a positive direction. Yeah, there have been no negative comments about this pick so far. And uh, with Wasim Khan, there was a lot of question marks around, like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What did he accomplish to be able to, you know, come join the PCB and be a CEO here? But this guy, none of those questions have come up because he's seasoned, well-known, has already been in in the cricket world. Uh, he's a familiar face to everybody, all the big boards. And, you know, when, when you hire a person like that, you they also bring in with them their, like, Rolodex of contacts, right? They bring in their, like, who do they know, and and who do they have a good relationship with that can be utilized to, right? You know, to to our advantage. So he has a big kind of stack of those kind of contacts because he's been working with these same people, the big guns of cricket, for a long time over the past thirty years. So I think that can only be good for Pakistan. And he seems to be pretty excited about it. They issued a joint statement between him and Ramiz Raja, and they basically are saying how much they're excited for each other and all of that, you know, the the typical stuff. 
nothing really revealing in their statements, very brief, but he did share that that he's excited to kind of take the finances of Pakistan cricket to another level. So it should be good. Yeah, really hope so. Last topic, Jay, what do you make out of Rizwan and Babur's fabulous year 2021 and why their partnership is gelling the way it is? And they've had numerous hundred run partnerships and multiple 50s together. What do you think make them too different than all other openers in the world and Pakistani openers in the past? You know, I feel Babur gets a lot of love, so I'm, I'm going to not say as much about Babur. Uh, Rizwan, we haven't talked about him as much on our podcast. Um, usually when Rizwan is talked about, it's often also in connection to Babur, like he, he's a good partner to Babur. And I think it's kind of a tough position being uh, Rizwan because he's almost always going to be under the shadow of Babur. Babur is a bigger name. Uh, Rizwan is becoming a big name, a force in himself, but and uh, Rizwan used to be down the order. They brought him up. You know, what made Rizwan come up to the top? How how can you bring like a number five, number six batsman all the way to the top out of nowhere? Like, what was the rationale for that? What was the data-driven basis of that decision? So there was a lot of questions about this. And I don't know the answer to that. I really don't know why they decided to do that or like what reasonable evidence they had to make that kind of a decision but clearly that decision's paid off and i think it might have if i had to guess it might have to do with rizwan's temperament perhaps bobber having played rizwan in the past and also in you know local cricket bobber probably knew that rizwan is somebody who can stabilize in innings and um he does that and that was the thing that I, I, I had doubts about, actually, when he first became. So I was like, I, I don't know. Is he going to be able to see off, you know, the new ball with all these world-class bowlers, you know, after coming up from number five or six? That was my concern. But his number five, six experience, coupled with his patience, and he's actually very smart on the field is what I noticed. He really is strategically hitting the same areas over and over again to make runs. You know, you don't see that often from an opener. You know, his game is not just strong on one side, for example. In my view, he picks areas and he exploits them until he can't exploit them anymore. So I think he brings this kind of level-headedness to the opening partnership. The secret, I guess, if there was one behind his success, uh, to me, is his patience and his smart kind of like, acumen the real ability to read the game and respond to it and change his game according to what the situation requires and i think that's why he makes a good partnership to bobber also because bobber is similar in that way he doesn't just like to play a certain way he likes to play based on what's happening in the situation and they work very well together so bobber must have realized that and like we talked about last time with a couple of our coaches gone, Bobber gets to make more decisions and he probably was the one recommending him to open with him. And to back that up, Rizwan's consistency and his strike rate was always there when he played for Multan Sultans in PSL. We had our domestic T20 right after New Zealand canceled and left Pakistan. And he performed well there too, I think five, 600 runs. So it all added up in his favor. And a good decision after all. I wasn't for it in the beginning either, but I, I can't see anybody else working with Babar Azam in T20 or ODI format. So he actually puts the work in. Like you said, he's very smart. He's talking to his players. 
he pays attention to the game and each bowler. He's looking at their seam positions and everything and giving constant advice to his uh, batting side and bowling side. Uh, I don't know if you notice, every time Rizvan and Babur come, they're both fearless. They're not, they always come in and to to start the game off with that at the opening is, is great for Pakistan and give the middle order a chance to explode as well. So it all works out and gels together perfectly fine and it's been so far working out so hopefully we take that momentum into 2022 i hope so man i i sometimes feel like razan doesn't really get uh, the credit for what he really is lately he has been he's been getting a lot of love lately especially because he's got these 2000 runs the first players uh to do so in the calendar year you know now he's starting to kind of get recognized but cricket the cricket world has a bias against people who don't who don't play How their cricketing shots. Yes. If you don't look stylish, if you don't look like you're playing proper cricketing shots and you have a, you know, a beautiful quote unquote cover drive or whatever, and, and it gives everybody an orgasm, like that's the kind of crap that they're looking for. And they then often undermine players who, who don't, who might not look as sexy playing, but, they really do the job better than anybody else. So Rizwan to me is like that player. He gets undermined because on the other side, you got Baba Razan playing the best looking shots on the planet. Right. And then, you know, Rizwan is just not getting the credit, even though he's scoring so much more and so much more fluently uh, because he doesn't look a certain way and, and commentators don't know what to say about his weird pull, you know, so that that that's kind of frustrating to me because Fawad Alam also gets that kind of a treatment because he stands a certain way and and blah blah blah. But so cricket has this bias, not cricket, but like the pundits in cricket, they have this bias against people who don't look like picture perfect uh, batsmen or bowlers. Yeah, I think that's coming around though. He probably made his mark now with ending the T20 reign with 2,000 plus T20 runs, 1,300 something international runs, 13 or 1550s. I mean, his record is not going to be broken anytime soon. So that's I think right. he's probably being recognized now and next year people will be looking out for him. Pakistan was not on the international scene uh, this year or last year before the World Cup. So no one knew Rizwan, who Rizwan was, and he definitely made his mark. And I don't think he had a great 2019 or 2020, but he came around very fast and added runs rapidly. But what's his T20 ranking, by the way? Is it number? I think he's number three, again, under the shadow of Babar Azam, or four. He's in the top five. So pundits must be checking that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I don't know if you heard a, a kind of related thing in in regards to captaincy. Somebody asked Shaheen Shah Afridi, who do they, who does he like as a captain? And Shaheen Shah Afridi says he really likes uh, Babur and and loves to play with him, but his favorite is Rizwan. <laughs> So, oh wow! So he That's said that right. about him. I guess they've played uh, in PSL together under his captaincy or something. And he made that statement, and a lot of people were like, oh, "Yeah, Shane Shafridi, out of his innocence, talking about his international team captain and saying he's not as good as Rizwan." But yeah, I think most most of the media took it as a joke and and thought it was funny because Shane Shafridi is just a cool, sweet guy. Doesn't mean to offend anyone, and he's also an honest guy. So he just shared his preference, but. Rizwan has that, you know, Rizwan has the leadership quality. And the reason why I mentioned the story is because 
you know, I don't see uh, anyone else as a vice captain. So I think Rizwan really should be the vice captain. Um, so we have to figure out like how that transition happens. But to me, clearly, uh, Bobbern and Rizwan are are the the key players and the leaders of the team. What's up with the rankings, man? He scores the most runs in T20 and still not number one. How the hell does that happen? You were supposed to do an episode on the science of ranking. <laughs> well, I am the right guy. You know, I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> what's his name? John Nash, the beautiful mind guy, Russell yes. Cole played. So the, numbers, a, the numbers, the guy. numbers guy. Yeah, I'm way smarter than him. I call him stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. This, I, I actually did look it up and I tried to do some research and it's just complicated algorithms and calculation that either you have to be John Nash to understand or you just implement <laughs> them into a computer and let the robotics take care of it. So there's a lot of factors that go in. For example, Rizwan, you don't see number one in T20 because previous outings in previous years also have some weight on it. So hmm. they're taking a cycle of four year. I think it resets every May of a calendar year. So Bobber has been consistent for a while, for the last four or five years. Rizwan just came into the scene. That's why you don't see him. But he did extraordinarily well to be at number three or four. That means all the other players who've been consistent in four years, Rizwan did better. So there's a lot of factors that do go in. You get bonus points for a good strike rate. And Rizwan has had an awesome strike rate. Uh, it depends on who you score against and what ranking team are you playing against, whether you win or lose the match. Also gives you more points. It gets crazier. So if you saw Babar Azam lose you know, his number one spot after not performing against uh, Bangladesh, that's because Bangladesh is ranked much lower than Pakistan. So if yeah, you I don't just... perform against a lower ranking team, you lose more rating points. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Uh, thank you for sharing that insight. It, right now, the rankings are uh, David Milan, uh, number one from England. Aiden Markram, South Africa, is the second uh, place. And Bob Razum is in third place. And Mohamed Razan is in fourth place. The only thing that doesn't go into consideration, and I think it should, is whether you're playing at home or away. Away matches should be weighted more than home mm. matches, you know? Because every other factor they've taken care of. Otherwise, let's say Pakistan could just invite Kenya five times a year and make <laughs> records against them. You can just top the ranking just by doing that. So, But yeah. one thing does matter is if you're playing Australia at home and beating them, it's the same weight in ranking versus mm. playing Australia in Australia, which should change, I think. Yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, um, and on that note, friends, we're going to go ahead and end our episode and thank you for joining us. We have exciting news. Also, we have launched our new website, uh, crickelectuals.com. Big things happening here. So, uh, check us out at crickelectuals.com. You can listen to our podcast there. You can engage with us there. You can send us a message there, all kinds of good stuff. So check it out. There's a blog there too, that we'll be posting regularly too, for our reading friends. Check us out at crickelectuals.com and let us know what you think. And uh, with that, we'll see you guys next time. Tune in again. This is Jane Rufon signing out. Peace.